Cavalier fans, welcome to another edition of the Believe in Cavs podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mike Anguilano, and joining me is nobody. Today, we had to get a solo pod off quickly after the news of the Donovan Mitchell trade. Cleveland has acquired the Utah Jazz star uh, for a pretty hefty price. So this is going to be a quick rapid reaction uh, podcast about the Cavs going for it. They are going to get um, a Donovan Mitchell from Utah. This is a big step in their sort of regrowth uh, after LeBron James leaving. They saw the writing on the wall with how good guys like Evan Mobley, Darius Garland are, and went ahead and added a fourth young star to the group. For those of you who've been living under a rock and, and don't know, the Cavaliers have acquired Donovan Mitchell from Utah. They paid a hefty price. That included Colin Sexton, Lori Markkinen, and 2022 first-rounder O'Shea Baji, as well as three unprotected first-round picks in 2025, 2027, and 2029, as well as two pick swaps for 2026 and 2028. So essentially five unprotected first-round picks, as those pick swaps are also unprotected. For Mitchell, who has three years remaining on his deal, Sexton will sign a four-year, $72 million extension with Utah uh, in the sign-and-trade. Um, and, and really, this move just transforms the Cavaliers into a very young, dangerous team that just filled its biggest gap. I guess when you look at it last year, um, particularly in the playoffs when they were going up against Brooklyn and Atlanta, outside of Darius Garland, they really didn't have a player who could create their own shot, who could be another offensive threat that defenses had to really care about. Well, they've solved that with Donovan Mitchell. He's uh, one of the top 25 players in the NBA right now. He has room to grow, uh, but he's an offensive threat. And while his defensive liabilities could become fairly apparent, um, with a smaller backcourt, uh, having Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, who are two very high-end defensive players. Mobley has the chance to be a all-defensive type of player. Um, having that as a, as a fall back in the paint should help the Cavaliers uh, sort of make up for the smaller backcourt. And the Cavs had one of the better defenses in the NBA for most of last year. Um, the offense did become a little sluggish at times. Um, and Donovan Mitchell certainly solves that. So the Utah Jazz have upended their roster. They've traded Rudy Gobert, and now they trade Donovan Mitchell. So some quick thoughts about this trade. The Cavs are now one of maybe the top four teams in the East. At worst, I think they're a top six team in the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Boston, Brooklyn, still residing near the top. Uh, Brooklyn is a total wild card based on how their offseason has gone with Kevin Durant rescinding his trade request. But uh, that does not mean that they are not still dangerous. They still have Durant and they still have Kyrie Irving. Uh, so can't discount the Brooklyn Nets, although they could just as easily be a play-in team if they continue to be a very dysfunctional organization. <laughs> but that's for a different podcast. Um Miami, still a very high-end team as well, went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. They returned most of that team. They do get a little bit older. Jimmy Butler gets a little bit older. 
Um, they don't make any significant gains to a, to that squad, but that was already a very well-coached, difficult squad as it is. And you know, the Toronto Raptors as well are very good. They have the Rookie of the Year on their team, as well as Fred Van Vliet. So the Cavs have inserted themselves into the conversation for top four to top six team in the Eastern Conference. We've gone from maybe a play-in team, maybe a playoff team rather, fighting in the play-in to now a playoff team. Um, and that's exactly where we wanted uh, to be, where the Cavaliers wanted to be. Because based on the adjustments made in the Eastern Conference across the board and the Cavs kind of standing pat, they brought back Ricky Rubio, they signed a backup center, um, they signed Roll Neto to kind of man the ship as a backup point guard until Rubio is healthy and ready to come back. But they didn't make a move that drastically alters the landscape for their team. They're kind of banking on growth. Well, now they're banking on cashing in their chips for a stud, and they just did that. So now we've kind of pushed ourselves from, well, they'll be a little bit better and they'll grow nicely to, oh, they're ready to play right now. They're ready to compete and win basketball games right now. So this is a real go-get-a-move from Kobe Altman and the front office, and it sends a message that the Cavaliers are ready to compete and they're ready to win basketball games right now. A reminder that this team has not won a playoff series without LeBron James since 1992-1993. So it's been a very long time. It could be like the 30th anniversary season. This year would be 30 years since they've won a playoff series without LeBron. And maybe that will finally um, happen this year with their young squad that they have. So we talked about Donovan Mitchell um, and what he's going to bring. He's going to bring offensive punch. He's going to bring an immediate offensive punch. And between him and Garland, one of the best young backcourts in the NBA for many years to come. As these guys get older, get better, and play with each other, I think that that will be one of the most exciting backcourt duos to watch in the whole league. So the immediate offensive punch is going to be felt. And again, if you watched the Cavs play Brooklyn and Atlanta in the playoffs last year, you would know and you would have seen that they needed another offensive weapon. And maybe that weapon could have been Colin Sexton this year, and the Cavs would have been fine, and they could have kept their picks, and they could have kept their players. But it became apparent that they had an opportunity to go get a 25, soon-to-be 26-year-old All-Star who has already been to the All-Star game, has already shown that he's capable of playing at a really high level on playoff teams. And they went out and they went for it. And no one can blame them for that. But Donovan Mitchell's immediate offensive punch is going to be felt. And what's really going to be important now is finding a, a fit for a small forward to place in between our two guards, uh, in between the two guards, rather, and in between Mobley and Jared Allen. So that's sort of the next step. But right now you have four very young, very potent players on both offense and defense, and that's your new core. That's the core for the next several years, but Donovan Mitchell's offensive capabilities, shooting the basketball, one of the best drivers in the league. He can get into the paint. He can collapse defenses. He will allow Darius Garland to play off-ball more, which we saw could be effective when he was playing with Ricky Rubio last year. Again, Garland and Rubio were one of the best two-man lineups uh, in the league, some of the most effective uh, backcourt running mates last year, Ricky Rubio and Darius Garland. So we'll ha hopefully see more of that now with Donovan Mitchell allowing DG to play off ball. So this will be 
this will be a very big positive over last year where a lot of times, particularly later in the season after the All-Star break, um, the Cavs were sort of a one-man offense. If Darius Garland wasn't playing well or if he had you know, had to sit out, he had a lingering back injury late in the season, you know, if he had to sit out, the offense scuffled. They didn't have a guy who could go in and man the offense and really take over. Evan Mobley, too young to do that, and offense was not exactly what he was doing really well. He was an otherworldly defender. Jared Allen, obviously not either. So they were relying on guys to uh, sort of patchwork an offense together. They won't have to do that uh, with Garland and with Donovan Mitchell. So that will be very exciting to watch, um, and Mitchell seems very excited to, to be here as well. If you look at the flip side of what the Cavs gave up, obviously they gave up quite a bit. Um, let's start with Colin Sexton, who is you know, loved by many, many Cavs fans, and he sort of championed the team post-LeBron leaving for the second time. He was the, the new face of the franchise. He was the, you know, the pick that the Cavs uh, selected with the Brooklyn pick that they, tr- that they acquired for Kyrie Irving. So it was very important. A lot, of, a lot was riding on that pick, and he became the new fan favorite. He became the face of the franchise, and, you know, to, to, to trade him away to see how it sort of unfolded in his final season here is very disappointing. I think a lot of fans are excited to see what it would look like with him and Garland in the backcourt leading hopefully a playoff team. And um, His tenacity, his energy was certainly infectious across the team. And, you know, there were bumps and bruises along the way, and, and he really led a, a very poor Cavs team his first year in the league and was asked to do quite a bit. But, uh, you know, he will forever be remembered as the player that uh, came right after LeBron. And this is what, you know, this is what all of the fans were, were looking at. And the pressure was high, and he rose to those occasions sometimes. Other times it was, it was very frustrating, but you saw, you know, he really resonated with a lot of Cavs fans. Difficult to see him go. I'm very happy he gets his money uh, four-year, $72 million sign-and-trade to join Utah. The Cavs were unable to reach that number uh, for a number of reasons, um, mostly financial, mostly fit, and uh, you know, just going in a different direction. They saw the writing on the wall uh, with Colin Sexton and had to make that choice. But we'll always love Colin Sexton here. He, like I said, he championed that post-LeBron team, he made <laughs> some late February games very uh, enjoyable during a time where it was difficult to find enjoyable things around this Cavalier squad between Ty Lue having to uh, uh, leave and Larry Drew essentially taking over and being very unhappy to even be around uh, a basketball team because things were so bleak. Uh, but we'll always love Colin here and uh, wish him the best, certainly, in Utah. As for the rest of the pieces, Laurie Markkinen, only here for one season. He was a big ball three, um, which I think will be felt, and uh, there will be content on Fear the Sword, uh, from SB Nation's Fear the Sword, about just how we're going to fill the role of small forward and sort of Laurie Markkinen's role in that big ball five. Be sure to check that out. Um, that may be felt quite a bit more because the wing room in Cleveland gets a little bit smaller with the trade of Roy Markkinen. Um, only here for one season, but you know he did have his moments as well. Um, Oshie Agbaji 
don't have much to garner from him. He played a little bit in summer league. He looked like he could get a shot off. He looked like a, you know, a pretty athletic two or three, kind of like a Danny Green type, a more athletic Danny Green. Um, but it's, it's a business, and you know that first round pick was almost like a free first rounder the Cavs weren't expecting to have when they traded uh, Rubio to Indiana for Karis Levert and get a first round pick out of it, a protected. I'm sorry, they traded a first round pick to Indiana. It ended up coming back to Cleveland because the Cavs technically missed the playoffs. So that was, you know, a free first-round pick, essentially, that Cleveland wasn't expecting to have. So it works out well. They're able to cash in that chip. They're able to cash in Sendug Baji as part of that deal. Um, supposedly, Danny Ainge was was very interested in him pre, pre-draft. Well, now they're going to get him. Um, the three unprotected first-round picks in 25, 27, and 29 is it's a, it's a byproduct of, of just doing business. Um, these guys, 25-year-old all-stars uh, who have yet to hit their peak, don't come around very often. They don't become available very often. That's the nature of doing business. It's going to cost you some assets, and that's exactly what the Cavaliers had to cough up with some future assets. And, you know, ideally, those picks are not very high draft choices. Ideally, those are not in the lottery. Ideally, those are in the 20s um, if you're a playoff team making it deep into the playoffs each year. The pick swaps are 26 and 28, essentially, are unprotected as well. Um, again, a byproduct of doing business. So a lot was given up, but you acquire a lot too, and you acquire a very well-fitting shooting guard that you could pair next to Darius Garland for the next several seasons and really see what happens. Um, the two seem like an ideal fit. You know, we were talking earlier in the offseason about going after DeJounte Murray who ended up going to Atlanta and he would be a good fit next to Darius Garland for his defensive skill set in the same vein in the opposite vein Donovan Mitchell is very good for Darius Garland from an offensive skill set perspective he can go in and he can really uh, take over a game if needed he can go get you 60 points a game if needed he's a guy who can really come in and make an immediate impact from an offensive perspective take some pressure off of Darius Garland and really mobilize this offense a lot more. You get, he, he's another playmaker that's on the floor, and between him and Ricky Rubio, and, and well, eventually Ricky Rubio, Romneto in the, in the interim, he's a guy that can come in and really um, keep the offense flowing. He's not going to stagnate things. Um, just a really nice fit alongside Darius Garland. And this is sort of maybe, hopefully, the last huge domino for the NBA offseason. After Kevin Durant withdrew his trade request from Brooklyn, this is sort of the last piece. And for Utah, they've unloaded. Gobert is gone off to Minnesota for, again, a massive amount of draft capital. I think Utah now has 13 unprotected or slightly protected first-round picks. They also got... Uh, seven-footer Walker Kessler, who was Minnesota's first-round pick. So they acquired four, uh, I'm sorry, they, they acquired several first-rounders in addition to first-rounders from this previous draft. So uh, they have hit the reset button entirely. I would expect Utah to keep dealing. Boyan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, all probably gone, you know, as well. Um, and, again, it's a byproduct of uh, a, a team moving on. And the Cavaliers went in. They got uh, the guy that they needed. They got the guy that fits the best for their timeline right now and has an immediate impact. So for the Cavs, you know, this is a huge transition. They've, they've opened up some roster space now by trading away three players and only bringing in one. They have 
some financial flexibility in the interim to sort of fill in those roster spots, maybe find another forward or two um, that can that can sort of play more on the wing and provide some size, because now you are going to lack some size with Markin and Gwan. And this leaves the question open of who's going to play small forward next to, you know, these four young guys between Jetty Osman, between Karis Levert, um, Lamar Stevens is there as well. You have you have some players that, that could fill in. Um, it will be interesting to see as we get into training camp how that shakes out. And you can't forget about Isaac Okora like I did. That's really the key, much like last year, um, is having a guy like Okoro who can play defense uh, with the best of them. Have him develop a three-point shot, something, some offensive skill set that, that allows him to stay on the floor and not be played off if he's just an empty offensive vessel. That, that will be big, too. But for another podcast that we'll be having, hopefully, in the near future. The big news, of course, the Cavs have acquired Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. They didn't have to give up Darius Garland, Jared Allen, or Evan Mobley to get it done. They keep their core intact, and now they look like a very formidable team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, so that's going to do it for this quick edition of the Believe in Cavs podcast, hopefully. I'll have my co-host Derek Anderson back for the next edition so that we can delve more into the Cavaliers acquiring Donovan Mitchell and all that comes with it. I'd like to thank all of you for listening to this quick, rapid reaction edition of the Believe in Cavs podcast. We'll see you all next time.